You're listening to the Easter service preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate our risen Savior and His victory over sin and death. If you've got, you got a Bible, I encourage you to grab it, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 16, and we'll get there here in just a few minutes. If you find it, kind of put your finger in there or, or, or something to kind of mark it. I don't know about you, but um, this Easter is not how I expected this day to go. Um, usually Easter is a, a big Sunday for us here at the church. Uh, it, is, um, it is the time of year where everyone who calls kind of your church, your home, whether they show up once a year or three times a year, uh, they all show up on the same day. And so uh, it's usually a large crowd. We have uh, three services here. Everyone shows up. We're, we're dressed up in our uh, sometimes it's when I wear a tie, suit coat. Uh, we've got bright colors on. We have a photo booth. Usually we have a huge band up here. Uh, we've got horns. Uh, we'll have trumpets and other things that I don't know what they're called, but horns up here. Uh, you know, it is, we have those little white powdered donuts every year. We always do. I know you can go and get those anytime, but there's something about those little white powdered donuts on Easter that are just like way better. And I get to have them like three times in between each service. Um, and so like every year we always go big. And even this year, our plans was to uh, to celebrate baptism as an entire family. We had t-shirts made up that said, ain't no grave, uh, going to hold my body down if if Jesus walked out that grave, I'm walking too. Amen? And so I'm assuming everyone else is saying amen. And so uh, that is not how this day is going to happen. It's way, way different than we expected. Um, so I don't know about you. Sometimes that can make you feel a little bit down and you feel like you're trying to... Um, I don't know, uh, manufacture some energy today uh, to where um, it's, it's, it could be a little difficult because this was not what we expected. This is very much a different Easter. And this year, it's kind of an unexpected Easter. But here's kind of the, um, uh, the silver lining in this. Uh, we're, we're not the first and any stretch of the imagination to kind of experience an unexpected Easter. Uh, in fact, we're, uh, we're in good company because the very first Easter uh, was rather unexpected. And that's what I want to look at just, just briefly here. I want to uh, spend a few minutes here in the first eight verses of uh, chapter 16 of Mark and just uh, kind of unpack the, um, and I'm going to make up a word here and I'm good with that because that's what I always do. The unexpectedness of the first Easter. And, and I pray that this is an encouragement and uh, gives you a lot of hope uh, this morning. So look with me, starting here in chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 1 here. So when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of James and Salome. And, and right there, just a reminder, that's sort of a subtle surprise if you're if you're making up the story about a dead man coming back to life again, you're not going to allow the first witnesses to be women because in this time they weren't even people that can go to the court and give a valid testimony. And so if you're making up a story, you're not going to include women being the first eyewitnesses. You're going to add someone else in there. And the reason why they're here is because that's what really happened, right? This is, this is a story. This is, this is how it happened in history. So these three women, after the Sabbath was over, Continuing verse 1, brought spices, bought spices, and they brought them, obviously, uh, so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. 
And very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they are on their way to the tomb. So let's just kind of state the obvious here of what they were expecting. And so if they, if they went and bought spices in order to give Jesus' body the proper burial that they wanted to give him, because they were unable to, to do that, because they were trying to observe the Sabbath. So if they bought spices or bringing those spices with them, then what are they expecting to see here? What are they expecting to, to do here? Well, I'll tell you what they're expecting to see. They're expecting to see a dead body. You don't bring burial um, preparations if you have an inclination that the body's not going to be there. No, they were expecting to see a dead body. So the conversation on the way to the tomb, and even though I wasn't there at the time, I can guarantee you this, it was not this. What if? What if he's alive? What if we, we go to the tomb and he's not there? Well, we know that's not what they're talking about because we see in verse 3 and we get an insight to the conversation that's going on there. Look what it says there in verse 3. And they asked each other as they're traveling to the tomb, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. So that's the conversation they're not having. Not if, hey, is he alive? Is the body not going to be there? No, the conversation they're having, which is a big problem, is there's this massive stone that's covering the entrance of the tomb. And if they want to get inside and give Jesus the proper burial, they got to figure out how in the world are they going to get in. That's the conversation that they're having on the way to the tomb. Look what else happened starting in verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, surprise, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered into the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And I, I feel like that's a little bit of an un understatement, is it not? So think about this. They, they, they're walking to the tomb, having a conversation about how they're going to get the stone out of the way. They show up there, and to their surprise and amazement, the stone is already rolled away. Then they go into the tomb expecting to see what? The dead body of Jesus. And instead, they see some young man dressed in white who is sitting where Jesus should be laying. And most likely, this is an angel, and that's how uh, Mark chose to kind of describe angels uh, in his book. And what does Mark say? They were alarmed. Well, why are they alarmed? Because this is not what they were expecting. So look, I'm trying to stress a point here. The point is this, and it needs to be stated over and over when we celebrate Easter. None of these women are going to the tomb believing in the resurrection. They did not go to check and see if the tomb was empty. They were expecting to see a dead body, a dead Jesus there, not a young man sitting where Jesus should be laying. And then I love what the angel says here in verse 6. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So look, if you're someone uh, this morning who's feeling a little disoriented, maybe a little confused, uh, maybe you're enduring uh, an, an unexpected Easter rather than sort of celebrating a normal one, quote unquote, then I want to 
uh, give you a little assurance here. Find yourself in the story of the Bible where so much of this story is so unexpected. I mean, if you go all the way back to where everything starts, right? God creates everything out of nothing, out of the overflow of his goodness and created creativity, creates all things. He makes a beautiful universe that's filled with wonders. Why? Because he could and he wanted to. And then he makes humanity in his own image, in the very image of God, he creates both male and female. They're capable of knowing and experiencing the very good and love and graciousness of this great creator. Then, then, this humanity, male and female, disobey against God. But unexpectedly, what does God do? God pursues after them. He clothes them. He provides for them. And he makes this massive promise in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that this rebellion and brokenness will not be how the story ends. And then the story continues through more rebellion, through slavery, miraculous deliverance, through invasions and disease. And then there's centuries of silence, like 400 years where God does not speak. And the people are crying out, is God going to keep his promises? Is he going to answer our prayers? And then all of a sudden, and no one is expecting this, God comes himself. No one is expecting a baby, but the Son of Man came. The Word became flesh, and he made his home among us. He came not to serve, but to he came to, to not be served. He didn't come to serve. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And his rebellious uh, creatures, his creation, murdered him. And with his dying breath, as he's nailed to a cross, he pleads for their forgiveness. All of this unexpected. Not at all how we would have written the story. And then three days later, here this group of women are standing in the tomb of Jesus and hearing this young man say, you looking for Jesus? Well, he has risen. He is not here. I know this is an unexpected Easter, just like it was for those women, but hear me, here's the, the truth that we need to hang on to, and hopefully this truth ignites joy and hope in your heart. He is risen. So listen, we don't, we don't know, um, none of us do know how long this pandemic is going to be. We have no idea when this is going to end. We have no idea when we'll be able to gather once again and see each other face to face. But here's what we do know We know this, that life is coming. Life is on the other side of this. How do we know that? Because the Christian life has this pattern. Suffering, then glory. Death, then life. Here's what we know. We know that the resurrection is coming because he is risen. If there was a room full of people, I would say amen with a question, wanting amen Back And so my prayer for us is let this unexpected Easter fill you with hope. I don't know. Do you think that Mark Zuckerberger, the inventor of Facebook, the creator of Facebook, thought he would be creating the most powerful tool for proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus 
the world has ever known. Thousands upon thousands of people this morning are hearing the good news that Jesus is alive and that he can bring you from death to life this morning. Thousands of people that probably would never darken the doors of a church are now able to hear this good news through this mechanism called Facebook. No, Mark Zuckerberger did not have this in mind. I guarantee you that. But guess what? God did. He is risen. Look, I know none of this is easy. None of this is what we wanted or how we would expected it to go. But none of this will silence the message of Jesus, the hope of the world. He is not here. He is risen. So look back into text. Here's one more kind of surprise that I want to point out here. One thing that we're probably maybe read through really quickly and not necessarily expecting here. So look what he says here, starting in verse 7. But go, go, and this is the angel again speaking here. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, and this is what we want you to tell him. He's, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And then look at verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So, what, so think, what, what did the angel tell them to do? Well, the angel said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. It gave him kind of a message in order that he's supposed to tell them. So what did the women do? Well, they, they left, kind of fled, as the text says here. They were confused and they said nothing. Why? Why did they not say anything? Well, because they were afraid. And if you've got your own Bible here and you're not just seeing it on the screen, you'll notice that the Gospel of Mark ends there. Now, for some of you, you've got uh, uh, verses 9 through 20, uh, which most uh, scholars would say that's an addition because the, the earliest manuscripts that we have of the book of Mark ends at verse 8. And so uh, those most likely those kind of last 11 verses or so were added later because it just feels weird to end the gospel here. This is not how you would want to end the gospel. It just doesn't feel like it should end. It's kind of like dangling here. And so later on, it felt good for people to kind of add a few verses to bring some closure to what Mark was saying. Some people also make the argument that the reason why it ends at verse 8 is because Mark died and he couldn't finish his book. Now, we don't know for sure exactly what it is, but here's what I would suggest to you and from what I can see and understand. Verse 8 is the end of the gospel of Mark. And verse 8 is on purpose. I know it's not what we would expect. What we expect how Mark should end this gospel is, is that the You know, the women left, they were triumphant, they were singing praises, he's alive, he's alive, hallelujah, praise God, da-da-da, he would do all that kind of stuff, but instead, what are they doing? They're fleeing. They're confused. And they say nothing because they're afraid. So look, look, I know... (laughs) We know the fullest story because of the other three accounts of the Gospels that eventually these women do obey what the angel says and they do go and tell the disciples that he's alive and the tomb is empty and we know the whole rest of the story. You can read the end of Matthew, Luke, or John to kind of see the rest of the story. But here's here's what I'm I'm wanting to do here just, just for a minute. Why would Mark 
end his gospel in such an unexpected way? Why would he do that? Well, here's what I want to suggest to you, that the reason why he does that is because if, um, if fear is your initial response to being confronted with the reality that a man who said he was God was dead and came back to life, because that is the message that has turned the world upside down. It's not, hey, go be a good person or, you know, be kind to one another. No, this is the message that turned the world upside down. A man who claimed to be the son of God, the savior of the world, died and then rose from the dead. This is the the news flash that crossed the ancient world. A dead man got up and walked out of his tomb. And so look, if you are getting confronted with that reality and fear is kind of stirring up in your own heart, I would say Mark would come to you and say this, you're kind of getting it. You're actually understanding what the resurrection means. You're actually getting close to understanding the fuller implications of what it means that a man who is God in the flesh died and now is alive. Maybe this is the response that all of us should sit with for a little bit. Because if he is alive, which he is, if he did rise from the dead, which he did, if the resurrection is true, which it is, and witnessed by 500 other people, it changes everything. And if we would sit with that reality, then we would respond the way the women did here. I love how Eugene Peterson explains this in his book, um, I think it's called, As King Fishers Catch Fire. And I know this is a, a long quote, but we're in our homes, we're sitting on our couches, we got our house coats. If you need to stand up for a second, but it'll be on the screen. But then, and he really kind of captures what is going on here and why, these, why Mark has a way of ending his gospel the way he did in Mark chapter 8. Look what he says. The picture has suddenly changed radically. This is not simply a continuation of what they had experienced previously. This is different. God is alive and present in Jesus and in you. Nothing they did accounts for this. Nothing we do accounts for this. They are not in charge. Guess what? We're not in charge. They are not in control. Guess what? We're not in control. Resurrection turns the tables. No longer am I doing something for God. God is doing something for me. Easter resurrection is the dividing point between consumer religion and a gracious gospel. This is the event that separates us into two groups. The people who want God to give them something and the people who find out that God wants to give to them. The people who want to get some meaning into their lives by running a few errands for God, in contrast, the people who are willing to let God work his salvation in them. The moment Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, realized Jesus was alive among them, and the little religious jobs that gave them their identity were not needed anymore, they were afraid. They were on the edge of the abyss of faith and grace, of hope 
and obedience. They were ready to live. And yet, they were not ready. Look, not only do I want this unexpected Easter to fill you with hope, but I also want this unexpected Easter to fill you with belief. I want you to believe. To believe that the tomb is really empty. To believe that Satan is conquered. To believe that death is defeated. To believe that sin is completely destroyed and can no longer have power over you. To believe that the best is yet to come. Look, I don't, I don't know what all that means for you. I really don't. I don't. If you would, if you would put your trust and your full belief in Jesus, I don't know what all that means for you. And quite honestly, it's probably pretty scary and fearful. And as a man who's been walking with Jesus for over 30 years, there are still a lot of times where I feel afraid and feel fearful to give him what he has called me to give him. Because it's an end to the old way of living, and he's inviting you into a new way of living. Look, all other kind of major religions in this world basically say this, I am a prophet, come to help you to find God. But Jesus is the only one who said this, that I am God, come to find you. So even though it may be scary, my encouragement for you is to hear this, that he is Lord, that he is alive, that he deeply loves you, that he is good, and he's one who pursues and seeks to find you. Do not let fear keep you from believing and obeying. So look, what, what would it look like for you to take one, um, one small step toward belief? Maybe it's, maybe it's not a giant leap, right? You know what I'm saying? Just, just one stop, small step. Or another way I've said this before is like, what would it look like for you to really open, have a more of an open posture to Jesus in his words? I, mean, I said this a couple weeks ago, but hey, all right, here you go. Just read through the book of Mark. I got to the end, right? We got to the end. We'll read the first 15 chapters to find out more of how we got to the good news here at the end. I mean, I said this a couple weeks ago. You know, if you want to explore faith, then read the Bible and pray and, and keep going back to this story and asking questions like, what if this is true? What if this is true? You can keep coming back and gathering with us online. We're going to be here every Sunday at 10 o'clock until... This pandemic leaves, lifts, and I just encourage you to keep coming back. Maybe that's a way. It's a small step for you. Maybe that's an open posture toward Jesus and his word. But maybe, maybe you're here and you're listening or you're watching. And I want to encourage you that today could be the day of salvation for you. Maybe Jesus is inviting you to begin a relationship with him, to find life and him to put your faith and trust in him. Don't overthink this. I mean, it's a simple cry. It's a simple cry of like, I'm done. I'm done trying to do my life like I want to. I'm sorry. 
I want you to come and live and dwell in me. And we would love to know if you've made that kind of decision. We'd love to follow up with you. I know we can't see each other in person, but we can make a phone call and get you information and help you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But do not let the sun go down on this unexpected Easter day without believing and obeying. Let's pray together. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash J-Town.